Hello and welcome to Ginger and Fringe. Nice to be back again, Eva, back in our little tent fort. I know, we're a little bit late this week, but we our think... fans have been on tenterhooks waiting for it. Yeah, I think they'll forgive us as well, yeah. don't you? It's worth doing, it's worth doing well. So here we are with <laughs> exactly. a quality episode coming to you. <laughs> don't oversell it now. I was going to say. Yeah, done it yet. Yeah, hopes are high now, but here we go. Okay, Amy, so I'm in charge of icebreakers again this week. Yeah, we're all we're all very thankful for this, Eva. Yes. <laughs> We've given up on Amy doing icebreakers. Yeah, you fully dropped the ball. I was like the Titanic. Boom, boom, shh. Ice. Breaker. I see. Sunk. Funny. Thank you. Yeah. I thought so. Okay, really good. Um, okay, moving on from that. <laughs> the icebreaker we're going to do this week is our useless talents. Lovely. Is okay. there something that you can do? You can do it really well, better than the average person. Yeah. But fundamentally, it doesn't really bring much to your life. Well, it's interesting you should mention this, Eva, because just this morning, uh-huh. you said to me, Immy, are you any good at putting keys on key rings? And I thought to myself, yeah, you know what, you were I'm stunning at it. <laughs> I am. There's no key ring too stiff. There's no key ring too thick. You know, you get those sometimes, like, good quality key rings, not the ones that you got inside a cracker. Yeah. And they're, like, jammed together. Uh, Even then, I can wedge them apart and get a key inside. That's, that's really impressive, mm. because I can't do that at all. When we used to go out in second year, when we used to go out pre-pandemic... <laughs> R.I.P. Um, I used to take my key off every night, every time wow. I went out. Yeah. I actively resist taking my keys off keyring. So all of my keys are on one big keyring. So I've got about eight keys. Just I carry on me at all times. You're like master. You're like Hagrid, master and keeper of keys at Hogwarts. You've got eight keys. Yeah, even. it's quite a lot of keys, isn't it? It's quite a lot of jingle. I always thought getting um keys is really exciting. That's a sign of being an adult. Really? Yeah. I still kind of look at my keyring and I think, oh, I've got a key. I'm yeah. a girl. Special. Yeah, exactly. I'm always afraid of taking the key ring on and off, the key off, because of my nails. Which is going to sound a bit pathetic, I think, but if I have, like, really nice painted nails, all I can think of is, oh, it's really going to chip, isn't it? It's going to look ugly. <laughs> Maybe this is why it's my superpower, because I, I get a bit scared of nail varnish, so... <laughs> so you're scared of nail varnish and I'm scared of chipping when I'm getting key rings. Yeah, this is why we work so well together, because I'm here to put your keys on your key Huge rings and for you. for a perfect pair. Oh, a piece in a pod, this is what it's about. Uh-huh. <laughs> How about you, Ema? Okay, so my useless talent, it yeah. comes and goes. Sometimes it's really there for me and sometimes it does let me down. But my my useless talent is gripping. So I'm not <laughs> strong in that I can't really lift heavy things. Okay. But I, my strength's in my fingers. I, nimble. I can wrench open a jar <laughs> like nobody else. I'm really good at it. I yeah, I was going to say, I've testified to this. Like, I've seen you every time, because when I get my McDonald's lunch, I need my orange juice opening, because I am five, and I can never open it. Yeah. And he was just like, pass it to me. Straight off. Yeah, anything. But I can only do this at certain hours of the day, because first thing in the morning, I'm the weakest person. You I'm, are, again, I can testify to this as well. I'm like Superman with his kryptonite. <laughs> I don't really know anything about Superman, but he's weak, right? Mm. And early mornings on my kryptonite <laughs> so i can't open anything not anything at all no i can barely hold my phone in my hand that's how bad my fingers are at gripping in the morning <laughs> did you did you recently have an incident yeah, to, to, to drop my phone very loudly this morning <laughs> woke me up. <laughs> what's the alarm i wasn't expecting but text a few minutes later oops dropped phone <laughs> i was gonna say testify to the fact that yeah. so my useless talent is really good it it, mm. it serves me well a lot of the time but it's it comes at a price. <laughs> it does come at a price. <laughs> price you must pay. Yeah. It's very useful though. Again, I have very bad gripping strength. So thank that's, you, Ema. That's okay. Not okay. useless at all. Hooray. So what are we watching, reading, listening to this week? So we have 
um, read and watched. Wow. It's a bit of a shock twist. <laughs> this is why it's late, people, because we've actually gone above and beyond for you guys. <laughs> um, Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman, the book of the first one, and also the BBC TV adaptation of said book. Lovely, yeah. So the book came out ages ago. We read it when we were little. Yeah, early noughties. Yeah. And then the TV show came out this time last year. Yeah. So we were just saying we're probably coming up for series two now. Mm. And it's set in like an alternative history um, where white people are discriminated against. And you've got the crosses who are the um, black people who are on top. And you've got the white people who are the noughts who Mm. are, um, yeah, kind of second class citizens kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. and it's like a, a love story, or it's more than a love story, though. <laughs> it, it's kind of the story of these two, one, a north and a cross, growing up in the society. And um, eventually falling in love. And eventually falling in love, and... And everything that happens as yeah. a result of that. And, and the tragedy that unfolds kind of thing. <laughs> Try not to spoil it, but it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's been out. I think everyone knows the story. I think so, too. Because it's going to be a massive spoiler <laughs> anyway soon, so... It's true. Um, so when did you first read Noughts and Crosses, Emma? I think I probably first read it when I was in year seven. So okay. I was probably about 11 or 10, at the, 11 at the time. Um, mm. Yeah, and I loved it. It was really good. Um, everyone in my year was reading it at the time. So it was like a bit of a craze for everyone to go. Around. Even though all the books, I think I suppose all the, maybe the fourth book had just come out or something. But mm. yeah, but everybody was reading everyone's it. Really, everyone was talking about them. It was the thing to mm. be reading and so it was really nice when last year the tv show came out and everyone was reliving that again yeah because it's one of those things that i remember it came out and everybody was like oh yeah i read this when i was about i don't know 12 13 mm. and we all suddenly like relived it and rewatched it and yeah and reread it <laughs> and reread it yeah because i read it recent i read it when i was in year eight and then i reread it in preparation for this mm-hmm. and it was interesting like what bits i picked out from it this time which i didn't pick out from it the first time mm-hmm. like what um like I thought they were really clever with the details that were picked out. So, for example, there's a bit where Callum's in a history class and they're picking out, um, they're talking about like cross inventors and how it shows that there are no naught inventors, naught inventors are like they've never done anything, they've never contributed anything. Mm-hmm. And then goes on to name all of these black inventors that like our society just has conveniently that, forgotten. So that about. actually exists. Yeah, yeah, that actually exists. So it, it names the person who created the blood bank and the person who made the hairbrush and the person who made the tampon, like all of these things that black inventors did that we've conveniently just in our actual lives have just basically whitewashed. Mm. Um, That's interesting, isn't it? That the, when you grow up, you see that... Because obviously we, when I read it when I was 11, you sort of know that this is a sort of parallel yeah. inverted thing. But the the detail that she actually goes to in the book, yeah, definitely, and and I think it was really it was really clever even then at pointing out like systemic racism and like the way we tell our histories and things, mm-hmm. like the fact that we've just glossed over these bits of history, and and like she was really clever because she brought it all to the front, like, and that's what the TV show I think does really well, yeah. is it shows that how it could have been mm-hmm. if it was the other way around. I think one of my favourite things about the TV show that you just you don't get from the book because the book's doing other things, um, <laughs> is the visuals of it. And how everything's Afrocentric. So all the hairstyles, the clothes, the buildings uh, are just amazing. Like all, so, all the white people have curly hair or cornrows or something like that. Braids, yeah, yeah. And just visually, it's so it's so subtle, um, mm. but it's beautiful as well, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's beautiful. And there's a there's really good shots they do of like London. And it's London, but just it's just little things are tweaked. So there's this amazing statue in the middle of it. Um, which, as you say, is it's all just so Afrocentric, but in those little intricacies and the colours, as you say, like the patterns on their clothes mm. are what we'd probably class as 
traditional African print. Mm. Um, and it's just interesting that like all of the noughts are trying to dress like the crosses. So, I, don't, I don't know if it's that they're trying to dress like it. I think I felt like it was that was how everyone just did dress. It wasn't that they were trying to look more black. I don't think. I think it was just that was what was available. Maybe I think I think there was a good bit when um so there's a bit where Callum goes to military academy and he has to look smart and he braids his hair into cornrows mm. for that and I think that's re- that was a really clever bit they did yeah, because considering how much discrimination there's been against black hairstyles mm-hmm. historically that was yeah. such a clever way of showing that it, it's such an arbitrary thing like people should be able to wear their hair however they like and yeah and that black women have to have like straight hair and wear weaves and things like that to try and yeah. make white hairstyles. Mm. yeah it was really clever yeah and I think you're right because it was just a visual it was just such it was really cool world building you were just like oh and I think it's probably where my 11 year old imagination let me down at the time is I didn't see think about those differences yeah whereas they did yeah it was really well thought out Mm. I think there were bits that you missed from the book though yeah yeah like I missed um so Meggie is Connor the main guy's mum and Jasmine is Sefi the main girl's mum um and they have I don't know actually whether I thought the film, the TV series or the book did this better. I think probably the TV series did do it better because they had a... Did what better? uh, They had a better relationship, sorry. Okay. (laughs) I'm getting carried away by your thoughts there. Um, Yeah, so I think in the TV show actually, Jasmine and Meggie had a really good relationship. Mm -hmm. They had a relationship and I think that's something that you miss out in the books because Meggie's already been fired by the time you get to properly meet her. Yeah. So she's already got all this resentment towards the Hadleys. Steffi's family um and I think that was quite nice that they actually got to have a proper female, rela- female fe- friendship sorry what was that what, what, what? but it's, it's a really clever it's a 3d female friendship <laughs> because it's like underlying toes because she's an employer and she's a friend and there's these racial tensions going on as mm. well and then there's their children interplaying as well yeah um and it's an older female friendship as well which I think you I love you older women love. Oh, yeah I was gonna say it's my love affair there, is it <laughs> continues um yeah what did you think comparing the two um i don't know because i reread the book recently so i obviously read the book went watch tv show and then reread the book and rereading the book i think what surprised me most about it was that how young it was um which Mm. may be silly but like obviously it's a children's book or ya yeah um but i read it when i was 11 and it was completely fine and reading it now i was like oh this is actually like quite young language for and for quite big themes yeah and i i was like oh okay it seems sort of disjointed um in that sense because you watching the tv show it was very it was older they'd aged yeah. up all the characters it was quite it was darker in places and then reading the book i was like oh wow look at these little children reading it and then i was just thinking actually you know what kids can handle this so like, it's mm. really important to talk to children about these big issues because they are the future. <laughs> They're the ones who can enact change. They are the ones who can enact change. And you're right, they're using such young language to talk about such big things. Mm-hmm. And they go through it and they cope with it all. Like Callum loses his sister to suicide. Yeah. And 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 they don't quite understand why they can't be together and be friends. And I think that's one of the really heartbreaking things is originally they just don't quite get it. And what's Sefi? Yeah. I think Callum gets it. I think Callum gets it. Yeah, I think Callum gets it because he's had to, hasn't he? Yeah. Of being the oppressed, he understands that dynamic in a way. Sefi just doesn't. She doesn't understand why Callum can't come to her birthday party and mm. why it's actually really selfish to invite him kind of the middle finger to her mother. Yeah. Like, yeah. She, she doesn't get that that's actually really hurtful to Callum. But then that, I think that's the lovely thing, isn't it? You see that growth when she then 
realizes it and she stops sitting with Callum at school because she realizes actually that's just gonna mean he yeah I think that's what's good about the book actually is that that growth thing because it, it's set over a much longer period of time yeah because it starts when they're young and then they have like a three-year break maybe yeah probably. and um then they come back when they're a bit older but with the tv show they just start it when they're just i think she's just gone to university yeah. so they are 18 and then their friendship gets rekindled then so mm. you kind of lose lose them as children in it mm. and actually i think them being young and figuring these things out at a young age just as we were at the young age when we were yeah. reading it yeah i think you miss out on that no i think so definitely and i think one of the scenes that always stays with me is um Sefi goes to Callum's sister's funeral and she thinks she's doing this really big thing and it's really well-meaning and and she is well-meaning but she doesn't understand how much hurt that action takes with her and then you see her apologize so much later on mm. and like she understands the implications of those actions yeah um growth growth that's what we like to see in our characters we do look at that character arc going there believable <laughs> No, yeah, I think I really, I really enjoyed both of them, and I was really glad they brought Black- Noughts and Crosses back. Like, I think it was the right time. I'm glad they did it at the TV show. Yeah, yeah, same. And I just thought everyone was so beautiful, in it. <laughs> yeah. and I thought the music was lovely, and I, I liked the um, opening title sequence. I thought it was you really... loved the opening I title did. sequence. <laughs> their skin was so smooth, and their nails were so nice. Tell me what you do for your skin routine. <laughs> yeah, I was just mainly jealous of their nails. I feel all their hands. So what did you think about the difference in the ending of the TV show compared to the book? I, it's a really hard question, Emma. Obviously, I loved them both. Uh-huh. But I thought the ending of the TV show was a bit of a cop-out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> if I'm 100% honest. So in the book, what happens is Callum gets executed. Mm-hmm. Um, he dies. And whereas in the film, they run... In the TV show, sorry, they run away together, him and Sefi. Yeah. To like this utopia of the countryside. It's a very different ending. And I kept expecting him to die because that was such yeah. a pivotal Wasn't it? moment. I just remember reading it and being like, you can't kill off your main character in a four series like book thing series. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't kill him off in the first book. You no. Need, what you can do for the rest of it. It was it was really harrowing. I remember everyone being like yeah. torn up about it. And it was also the fact because in the book she has to make this choice between her baby and Callum. Yeah. And I remember the first time reading it, really just not knowing which way that decision was mm. going to go. And 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 it was just it was just so heart wrenching. Mm. And like Callum's mum has lost all of her family at this yeah. point in time. She's lost Callum, she's lost her husband, she's lost her, her daughter. And just another it, it's just and Callum has a choice, but it's not really a choice. Yeah. And it, it's and just he's so young, he's, he's so, so little. Yeah. That's such a good point. Because they're what, eighteen, nineteen at this yeah. point. And it makes Sefi's decision and Callum's decision all the more. They're making like real world adult decisions. Yeah. No. <laughs> Literally life or death. Exactly. And Sefi's choosing at 18 to keep a baby. Mm. And a mixed race baby at that. A mixed race baby. And the boy that she's been in love with for her whole life dies. Yeah. Gets murdered by the state. Gets murdered by the state, <laughs> yeah. It's it's It was just... I, I remember crying after that because it was just so... Yeah, and then and then the the TV show just like loses its gumption at the last moment. Yeah, it just it did feel like they were like, oh, we can't quite do that, and it was like, well, Bally Blackman wrote this for children, and she killed him <laughs> off. Like you're yeah. they're aiming this at, you know, much older. I think fifteen above, definitely. 
and they couldn't kill him off. And I just think, you know, don't pull your punches. Like, no. it's really important that we that we do have that heartbreak because that kind of rams home the message more mm. than anything else. There are no prisoners. You will kill your main character because that's what would happen. Yeah, exactly. It's realistic. <laughs> and <laughs> then, yeah, and then it goes on. And then the future books, like, show how Sefi works with that. Like, it's just... Yeah, and Callum's always a presence throughout the rest of them as well, isn't he? Through Callie Rose, who's the daughter. Yeah. Um, and Jude, who's his brother, who sort of stays <laughs> quite a malevolent presence throughout the rest of the Horrible series. Horrible boy. Yeah. But Callum's always kind of there in the background. Mm, definitely. It's one of those things that Mary Blackman did really well, because I don't know about you, but like, I, do you remember the plaster mm, yeah. incident? So like, it's um, Callum's in school and one of the one of the other white girls who's been he's with has been injured and she gets given a black plaster and I, I just remember at the time having never thought about the just, fact yeah just that sort of everyday racism kind of thing yeah. that you don't really see and plasters covering all <laughs> ranges of skin tone do you no exactly or like ballet shoes is another really good example like oh, yeah. they only started making ballet shoes that were for black women about I don't know a couple of years ago really um and it's those sorts of things that you like it never thought of yeah um and I remember that being an incident that has stayed with lots of people. Like when it, they said it was coming back, everybody talks about the plaster because yeah. it's the first time they've kind of realised how yeah, just one insidious of it is. Yeah, it's a good word. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Amy. So where does this sit on our ginger fringe scale, do you think? Well, Ema, I think I'm going to go for the Little Mermaid. Ooh. Stunning ginger, aerial, beautiful girl. Yeah. But they're doing a live action remake uh-huh. with Halle Bailey. <gasps> black girl beautiful black girl Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really good transition because she's she's got the spirit of ariel Mm -hmm. this amazing ginger 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 ariel ginger soul yeah but there was so much uproar when she was cast i think that shows why you need Mm. women of color casting in these roles because the fact that there's still people were complaining that she wasn't ginger yeah and And that's why she shouldn't (laughs) have been cast it's like you're saying is her hair color really make or break like is it is it her ginger is it her lack of being ginger that's really offending really the problem here yeah or is it something more horrible? Yeah. Um, and that's why I think she's going to be a great little mermaid. Um, and it's going to be a really good representation for young children as well, to be able to see yeah. themselves in that role. Lovely. So that, that's my... Ginge. Ginge. Ish. I always wanted to say fringe. <laughs> but no. So what is your fringe, Ema? Uh So my fringe, it's got to be a strong fringe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've chosen Jamila Jamil. Mm-hmm. Because she's got a crack in the fringe. She has. It's glossy. Those locks. Yeah, it's thick, isn't it? Luscious. Yeah luscious locks exactly <laughs> um and also she's um quite outspoken about racism in the industry she's in so modeling acting mm. and her top target audience is quite young yeah um a lot of like young teenage girls follow her mm. and she's not afraid to talk about big issues mm. with her young audience she doesn't shy away from stuff about eating disorders or systemic racism or anything so uh, just like Mary Blackman. <laughs> Good link. <Love> it. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to the knots and crosses yeah. in there. Uh, you know, it's important to help our children. <laughs> See, they are the future, Eva, <laughs> after all. <laughs> Watch them grow. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great fringe. Again, I want to say ginge. They rhyme so beautifully, but I get confused. Yeah, they are fantastic. <laughs> they, are, they are fantastic. Two peas in a pod, as we said to start with. Complimenting each other beautifully. Uh-huh. So, I think that's all from this week. That's all, folks. Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you soon. Bye. We won't see you at all. Bye.